Good evening. One day, amen? One day. It's an honor to be with you tonight. For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Paul Shumsky, and I'm a pastor with Living Hope. And I had the privilege of also serving as a youth pastor here with Crossing for about five years. So uh, coming home, this is kind of like second, second home to me. And, uh, but thanks for having us. Uh, we always look forward to uh, the Capital C Church and doing things together. Obviously, we wish that we did more uh, together and uh, that his name would be made famous. Amen. Through Bucks County and beyond. And uh, there is a lot of work to do. In fact, I, this is a, just a side note. I came across the map. Um, in the last couple of weeks, and I shared it with our leadership team this week. Uh, and uh, would you believe, sometimes we can feel like this area of Bucks County is saturated with churches. But, and uh, maybe you don't realize this, but for every 10,000 people in Bucks County, there are six churches. That's it. Six churches for every 10,000 people. So uh, there's no room for competition. Amen. And there's plenty of work to do. Uh, we don't need to be worrying about uh, sheep going to other pastures. There are plenty of people yet to be found. So uh, let's get on with that mission. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, let me ask you something tonight. As we get started, you can turn in your Bibles if you want to Matthew chapter 27. We'll be there in just a moment. Um, but um, all of us have had the experience of bringing something to completion, right? Bringing something to, com- to completion. How many of you have ever had to work on a research paper? Yeah, you had to work on a research paper and you had to bring it to completion, right? How many of you ever had to prepare um, a debate or a speech? Yeah, show of hands. Uh, A work project, right? Uh, Losing weight. (laughs) I said bring it to completion. (laughs) Right? Yeah, I can't raise my hand up up there either. Um, We all work on different things, trying to bring things to completion. Uh, Maybe you have some goals you want to... Uh, get to a certain place in life and you want to save a certain amount of money, uh, whatever it is. You want to um, plan a trip, a vacation, and you want to see it to completion. You want to finish it. You want to get there. Uh, we all have those things in life where we're aiming to complete something, to bring it uh, to closure. And uh, you know, we're, we're like that, too. In my life right now, I've got three daughters, one at six, uh, eight, and then I've got an 18-year-old. So I've got uh, Annalise, when we moved here to, back to Bucks County, she was just three and a half years old. And uh, 15 years went by like that, and now she's graduating from high school and getting ready to go out in the big bad world of college, right? And uh, so um, this year for us, we had to complete our taxes. Did you all complete your taxes on time? Yeah. <laughs> Don't nod your head. That's okay. Uh, but we had, to, we had to get a jump start on our taxes because we had to do our FAFSA form for college and all that. And we're wanting to do what we have to do on our end to bring it to completion. And uh, I filled out the FAFSA form and I sent it in and all that. And uh, you have this EFC, this estimated family contribution, and it comes back and it tells you how much they expect you to contribute. So uh, when it came back the first time, the number was so low, uh, I texted a friend of mine and I'm like, uh, what is the EFC? Uh, this can't be right, you know. And he's like, no, there's definitely something wrong. So I went back. Five or six times, I looked over the form, and I thought, I have done everything I can do. I don't know what else to do. It it seems to be complete. I can check that off my list until I got an email from a college. (laughs) Mr. Shumsky, we regret to inform you that you left this blank. Aha, right? That was the missing ticket, right? So we're looking to complete this with Annalise, and she's going to graduate from high school. We don't know where she's going to go yet. Sometimes... 
we complete things well and we finish something that we set out. Sometimes we don't. Good thing that our Savior Jesus Christ didn't have that wishy-washiness. Yeah? Amen. If it was up to, to us and going to the cross was our mission, I bet for the most part we would fail. I know I probably would. But Jesus Christ didn't. His mission, Jesus was sent by God with a mission possible. He went out with a mission to rescue, deliver, and save. And he accomplished his mission. And then he empowered his followers, you, me, the disciples then, and anybody after us, to pick up where he left off and bring it home. However, before he died, the last three hours of his life were incredibly supernatural. Incredibly supernatural. Three hours of darkness, three phrases from the cross, three supernatural events leading up to three days in the grave. And so if you're with me, join me in Matthew chapter 27. From 9 o'clock in the morning until noon on that good Friday, Jesus is hanging on the cross. And Jesus had these nine-inch nails that the Romans placed in his wrists and, and in, in his uh, feet there as he had them hanging on the cross. And every time Jesus had to take a breath, he would have to push up on those nails and pull up on those nails. And he had excruciating pain because the Romans perfected torture. And in fact, the word excruciating means out of the cross. We should probably hesitate next time we, we are maybe prone to use that word right but out of the cross pain excruciating and he'd have to step up and pull up and the median nerves where these spikes had been driven through excruciating pain would go through his body just to take a breath i don't know about you i know about me i've never endured such pain never i thank my lord and savior jesus christ he went there for me and in that pain not only did he do that just to breathe but there were three phrases in the early morning hours. One was to his father. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Wow. His first phrase from the cross was about forgiving others. And then his second phrase he gets, was about the, to the thief. I, I tell you the truth, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Thinking of others again. And then his third phrase to his family. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mom. Take care of one another. A lot about others. And then something supernatural happens. About noon, it says in verse 45 in Matthew 27, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we see his fourth phrase. When some of those standing here heard this, they said he's calling Elijah. And then we know from another portion in Scripture that inserted right there, and you can put it into Matthew, you can look in the other passage of Scripture where he says, I thirst. And so because of I thirst, it says in verse 48, immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. And they filled it with wine vinegar and put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. And the rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. So here's Jesus suspended between heaven and earth on a cross, enduring excruciating pain. He had already been traveled about two miles through the night before, wrong, wrongfully accused. They couldn't even get the accusers to agree on a right testimony. That's how botched up it was. People were lying all over the place. And 
and mistrials and not the evidence that was required. They just disregarded all that. And Pilate didn't want anything to do with them. Herod didn't want anything. Everybody was trying not to deal with this guy named Jesus Christ. And finally, he's crucified and he's suspended between heaven and earth. And around noon, a really supernatural wonder took place. An eerie darkness settled on the face of the earth. So you see this first supernatural event, this darkness. And the darkness lasted for three hours. Imagine how scary that would be. How many of you are scared of the dark? Ah, how many of you are being dishonest right now? Many of you will remember it. For those of who are here, part of our Crossing Youth Ministry, we, do, we used to do something called a mystery maze. And, you know, our mystery maze was this place, this room was filled with cardboard boxes, refrigerator-sized cardboard boxes, end-to-end, and, and we just went crazy Sunday after church, and we would just fill this, and we started duct-taping, and we put them all together. But you know what the scariest thing about those boxes, you know what the scariest thing was? Darkness. The darkness was the scariest part. We had black lights. We had messages written in there. But we had 18-year-old men who went and served with the military come crawling back out, sweat and tears. I can't do it. I can't do it. Darkness is scary, isn't it? Right? Most of us were scared of the dark at some point or another. But this darkness was eerie. What was the cause of this darkness? Some have tried to explain it away and said it was a solar eclipse. We know that that wasn't true. Solar eclipse lasts for a few minutes. We also know that Passover occurred during a full moon, and the moon is farthest from the sun, scholars say, and and that's not a probable solution. There was a supernatural darkness. Matthew says that it fell upon the land. It fell. I mean, it's noontime, full sun blazing, and darkness settles on the land. Kind of an eerie moment. And this is also found in history. Uh, It's not just uh, a a fact recorded here in in the, the Bible. A guy named Diogenes, he was an Egyptian writer. He said, either the deity himself suffers at this moment or sympathizes with one who does. Tertullian, a Christian apologist, he also talked about this moment. He said, at the moment of Christ's death, the light departed from the sun and the land was darkened at noonday. Origen, another early church leader, he alluded to this in a statement about another Greek historian. And so I say that to you this morning because there may be some of you here in the room without a doubt that you're, you may be a skeptic or maybe you're a seeker. I don't know where you are in, in your relationship to God, but I let you know that the darkness was supernatural darkness. And it wasn't a fairy tale. It really happened. And it was indicative of the Father above, God the Father, for a moment in time having to send judgment upon his own son. Because we see in the scriptures that darkness many times was indicative of judgment. And so you see this judgment from God Almighty having to turn his face away from his very own, his one and only son, and darkness settles on the the land. And can you now understand, after three hours of darkness, why Jesus would say something like, my God, my God, my dad, Father, why have you forsaken me? Think about it for a moment, my friends. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ 
was forsaken for you. He was forsaken for me. Forsaken by God Almighty. And you know what the good news, that's why it's called the gospel is? Is that you don't have to be forsaken. Praise God. And if you're here tonight and you've not yet put your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and eternal life, would you please tonight, I urge you, trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior for the forgiveness of your sin and eternal life. He endured darkness and separation from God Almighty so that you wouldn't have to. Galatians 3.13 says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. God had to break this, and for a moment in time, this perfect communion and pour out on his own son the cup of suffering that Jesus prayed about in the garden. Do you remember his prayer? Father, if there be any other way that this cup of suffering could pass. He never, he never drank that fourth cup at that Passover on the Thursday night. It was in the garden after that time that, that he wrestled to the point of blood, of hematidrosis in a time of, of a supernatural spiritual warfare with the enemy. And he agonized, the agonia there out of the garden. Three times going to the Father. God, is there any other way? Yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus did that for you and for me. And God's cup of suffering, his cup of, uh, Jesus' cup of suffering was met with God's wrath. And he endured unspeakable horror. He was forsaken so that I could be forgiven. And he was condemned so that I could be accepted. So when we, in a few moments, we have these tables that are set with, with some crackers and some juice, symbolic of the body of, of Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ, we understand that even as each of these little cups, I want you to think about it for, for a minute with me, each of those cups, I watched uh, the Nolinskis here in, in the kitchen as I arrived tonight pour juice into these cups. Just like that pouring, God poured out his wrath on his son so that we wouldn't have to endure the wrath of God. Sin separates. Sin separates us from God and sin separates us from, from one another. You all know it, right? You can think of a time, maybe even right now, you can think of the pain, the hurt that either you've caused somebody in their life because of sin in your life or somebody has called you, caused you, right? We understand sin separates us from God and separates us from one another. That wasn't, that wasn't good enough for God. God didn't finish the story there. Amen? He finished the story with His Son, Jesus Christ, and His finished work on the cross. And that wasn't the only supernatural event. Look on with me in verse 50. But when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. He, he uttered a phrase, not recorded in Matthew, but the other Gospels of, it is finished, which we'll talk about in just a moment. At that moment, look at the supernatural events. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs, and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. This is zombie nation all over again. We thought that we were unique and creative with our zombie movies, right? But look at the second supernatural event. The temple veil was torn. 
And I'll not go through the, the details, but if you want them, you can come and talk to me. But these, these details are also not just found in the scriptures, not just found in God's word, but there are other historical scholars who testify to the reality of the truth as recorded in this story. And in case some of you think that this, this was just kind of some kind of like little wimpy curtain, it was not. This temple veil they say, was 60 feet long and 30 feet high and about four inches thick, composed of 72 squares sewn together and so heavy that it required 300 men to lift it. It's not a little shower curtain, is it? Sometimes we can just, you know, kind of think it was like peekaboo, like that kind of thing. Now, this was an incredible veil. And it, and it hung between the Shekinah presence of God and all human beings. It, set, it, it represented the separation between God and humanity because of our sin. Nobody was allowed to pass through that veil into God's presence except the high priest and only once a year on the Day of Atonement. And he would go through with the blood of an unblemished goat for the sins of the people. And through that symbolism, God was teaching that we are not acceptable because of sin. Sin separates He's also reminding us and teaching us for the need of a blameless substitute whose death would pay for our sin. You know, in addition to fearing darkness, there's probably another fear that many of us have. Maybe we can connect to this or not, maybe not. But I don't know, how many of you have ever at some point in time felt trapped? Anybody? Have you ever felt trapped? Maybe emotionally, relationally, maybe physically trapped? You know, last Wednesday, just a couple of days ago, Pensbury High School was, they, they pulled a code yellow. A code yellow was called. And Annalise, and all of a sudden, in one of her classes, a code yellow was called. And, and both campuses at Pensbury High School went into shutdown mode, and police were called. It was on the news. SWAT team arrived. There was some intruder, unknown intruder, on the campus, and they called a code yellow, and everything shut down. And Annalise was in this position, her and hundreds of other students, feeling trapped. That's scary, isn't it? Not knowing who the intruder was, not knowing why they were there, not knowing if they're carrying a shotgun or knives like we hear in the, in the news and we see just recently, right? Not having any idea, but for 45 minutes, sitting in a room or in a closet, cowering, being quiet, and just wondering... What was going to happen next? Hearing noises. Is that the intruder? Is that them? Are they coming in? She shared with us that the teacher had told her there were some kids, you know, who were kind of messing around and just talking, and he got very serious with them. He said, I want to go home to my family tonight. Shut up. Serious moment, right? You with me? Very serious moment. My brother went white water rafting a number of years ago. And when he went white water rafting, he was having a great time. And one moment he's up on top of the raft and he's laughing with his friends. And they're, they're trying to control the boat, really being controlled by the water. And next thing you know, he hit a rock and he went flying over and under the water. And my brother was trapped underneath a ledge, a rock ledge that had come out into the, the white water where it was. And all he could feel above him was hard stone. And it was dark. 
He was feeling incredibly trapped. And he feared for his life. And he says, just before that moment, he's holding his breath. And he feels like he felt like he was going to pass out. Right then, when he felt like it was going to go all black, all of a sudden somebody reached under, felt his wrist, and yanked him out. Scary moments, feeling trapped. Can you imagine what it would be like, the reality, the truth, if we were trapped in our sin and had no way out? No way out. Just like underneath that rock, drowning in the water, just before the lights go out and going, I got no hope. No hope. Right? Be a horrible feeling. Thank God we are not trapped. The veil that separated us from God has been torn in two. And in case you missed the truth of the scriptures, not from the bottom to the top. God supernaturally with his heavenly hands ripped that that massive veil into dividing so that we could have direct access. Folks, amen. amen. We are not trapped. No matter how far you think you've gone, no matter how bad the sin, no matter how bad the thoughts or the words or the deeds that you think that make you unworthy, God says, for you, I gave my son. And the moment he said it is finished, I ripped that veil in two with my own hands, giving you access to an incredible, holy, loving God. Supernatural event. The third supernatural event that took place. Look what it says. It says that there was an earthquake, right? The rocks split and the tombs were open. This final supernatural event that happened after this veil was torn. It was no ordinary earthquake. It was an earthquake with a purpose. The purpose of splitting these rocks. Well, why would rocks split in this earthquake and this supernatural explosion? Because God was opening up the graves of those who have already gone before and calling them forth for zombie evangelism. Look at what it says in the scriptures there. It says that, that the moment that Jesus cries out, it is finished. That's what happened. Right? You had the supernatural darkness that preceded it. Jesus saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I thirst. And then leading up to it is finished, which we'll talk about in just a second. But in that moment, and he says those words, the, the darkness is now going to be dispelled. The darkness is lifted. It lasted until that moment. And as the darkness is lifted, the veil is torn in two from top to bottom and rocks split open opening the graves of those who have gone before, who have trusted in Jesus. And you notice, it says that they began to appear to people after Jesus' resurrection. So what were they doing for three days? I think they were having a little three-day seminar on zombie evangelism. I do. They got together. They sang Kumbaya. They had some snacks. So how does this work? Okay. Zombie evangelism 101. This is what we're going to do, you know. And it says that they, would, they went out to appear to many. What do you think they would have said? 
With no doubt, they would have been testifying to the supernatural power of Almighty God. And that this guy who just hung on a cross, who's put in the grave, don't fear, don't worry, he's coming. He's coming out. Sunday's coming. And they would testify to their believing in Messiah and that Jesus was the Son of God. Perhaps. We don't know exactly because the Scriptures don't tell us. And then look at the end. It says in verse 54... When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified. Well, sure they were. And they exclaimed, surely he was the Son of God. So what's the significance of these events? This three hours of darkness and three phrases preceding three days in the grave. Number one, for us, no more darkness. No more darkness. Only light. Jesus endured the darkness so that we wouldn't have to. There's no more judgment. The wrath of God has been satisfied because Jesus was the propitiation for our sins. He satisfied the wrath of God in full. Folks, if you're sitting here tonight and you think God is ticked off with you or angry at you, you are mistaken. He loves you and he has created you to know him. His wrath was poured out on His Son, Jesus Christ, so that you wouldn't have to endure that wrath. I don't know about you, but sometimes my flesh can get the best of me, and I think God is actually disappointed with me. You with me? You ever think those thoughts too? And I go, what are you thinking? Sometimes I need somebody else to slap me. What are you thinking? I don't say that to abuse grace at all. I say that to a testimony to his grace. He says that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you a question tonight. Are you in Christ Jesus? Are you in Christ Jesus? See, if you're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. His wrath is satisfied, paid in full. You've got nothing to be afraid of. You can celebrate and dance in grace the rest of your life. You don't have to live in fear of darkness or fear of being trapped. You have been set free, are being set free, and will be set free. End of story. Number two, the barrier has been removed. God has made a way for us to have direct, immediate access into His presence. We can come boldly before His throne. And notice that Scripture doesn't call His throne a throne of judgment, but a throne of what? Grace. Grace. I don't know about you, but I haven't had my full of grace. I'm not done with grace. All right, enough, Lord. (laughs) I don't need any grace today, you know. I'm just filled up and overflowing. Nah. Thirdly, his living hope is beyond the grave. Brothers and sisters, the final resurrection is coming. One day, we say saying about glorious day, one day the final resurrection is going to happen and he who is the resurrection and the life will call all the previous saints and us together and we, we will be resurrected to live with him forever, once and for all. Hallelujah. Amen. And his resurrection, Jesus' resurrection in the scriptures that we will be celebrating on Sunday precedes all of ours. There's a coming harvest of resurrection. And fourthly, I say to you tonight, it is finished. Can you say that out loud with me? It is finished. 
When Jesus spoke those words, those words were tetelestai. When he spoke those words, everybody who heard those words would have understood what it meant in their culture and in their context. And there's three specific things to the pupil, to the one who was a servant, and the teacher and the master, they understood it meant in regards to an assignment that it is finished. Right, students? When you complete a, 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 an assignment, you hand it in. And that's what it would, would have happened in the day. The pupil to the teacher, the master, the te- they would have said, Tetelestai, it is finished. If you were a merchant in the marketplace... And you would, you would have heard tetelestai from Jesus. You would have thought in your own word, in your own context, tetelestai, well, that's what we say when somebody pays a bill in full. Hey, I owe you a debt. I wanted to come paid in full. Here you go. And the merchant back, tetelestai, paid in full. And one other person would have been very familiar with the word tetelestai, and it would have been the priest. Because when the priest would have the sacrifice and prepare the sacrifice and sacrifice that perfect lamb they would cry out tetelestai it is finished and so when jesus said those words my friends tetelestai it is finished he meant every one of those in that cultural context and so much more there is no more work to be done in regards to salvation Salvation is not about what you can do for God. It is about what He has already done for you. Live in the grace. Dance in the grace. If you're here tonight and you've not yet put your faith in Jesus Christ, I don't know what's holding you back. I can't for the life of me figure it out. Except I used to be there too. In my moments, and I ran from God, I was given the truth. I knew more Bible verses, and I was involved in more programs than anybody. But it wasn't until I was 18 years old that I put my faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins and eternal life. My friend, man, woman, teenager, child, you're sitting here tonight through a simple act of faith in Jesus Christ, what He did for you on the cross. Not just his death and his burial, but also his resurrection. That he is victoriously triumphant over sin and death. You do not need to be separated anymore. The veil has been torn in two. You don't need to be trapped. Right now, by faith, put your... Just just trust in Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And let me ask the band to come. Our heads bowed and our eyes closed and... I know most of us in here are believers. I know at some point, most of us in here, we've already trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. But I know there's got to be a handful in here who haven't. Believers, we should be mutually encouraged with the word of God tonight that he has already done this for us. And we should be living in the glorious truth in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight and you've not yet trusted in Jesus Christ, would you trust in him now? You might want to say something real simple like, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for providing a way for me to be forgiven. Thank you that I don't need to be trapped. Thank you that I don't need to live in darkness. Thank you that you're the light. And right now, by grace, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins and eternal life. In Jesus' name.
Amen? Amen. If you prayed that prayer, would you tell me? Would you tell the person next to you? Will you tell the friend who brought you? Let me know. Let Tim know. Let somebody know. So that we can rejoice in your decision as a child of the King. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and sing two songs, and then we're going to take communion together.